20% of my suitcase was dedicated to, uh, <laughs> to a Nespresso uh, uh, machine, Wild West. Global Scale knew deep in my heart that we are actually very uh, interesting to them. In Southeast Asia, we're super busy, what we call a perfect mix, because uh, we are in China for more than a decade, also with our product, so we've adapted to the Chinese uh, technical landscape. Welcome to Between Meetings, a series of on-the-go interviews where we explore the world of innovation, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Marian Danke. Today's interview with Thomas Nook, CEO at Klink. Thomas is an operational and pragmatic senior executive with broad experience in all aspects of IT, management in customer contact, e-commerce, service and CRM ERP environments. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate you have uh, time. Thank you for inviting me. So um, you've been in China for quite some time already. So you're one of those who spent uh, here a few years and you have lots of experience. But uh, I would love to start with the traditional question, actually. What brought you to China in the first place? And tell me more a little bit about your early days in China. Sure, yeah. It's actually quite funny because um, the first time I came to China, I came with a, a Chinese friend, a long-time Chinese friend from, from Holland, I'm Dutch. And uh, he always wanted me to show uh, his, uh, his, his birth country, his native uh, country. So I joined him in mid-2010 on a trip, uh, basically all to, all to China, but mainly because he, wanted to, he needed to source materials for uh, opening a new restaurant. So he was going to make a trip of uh, three and a half weeks uh, uh, through China, sourcing uh, materials, and uh, I was basically his, uh, his buddy to, uh, to join. So um, I, I came with him, uh, uh, we, we landed in uh, Guangdong, and I was always very interested uh, uh, in China, so it was a unique opportunity for me to, uh, to explore. Um, and. Uh, I spent like a, a, probably a small week uh, with him uh, in Guangdong uh, area, going to all kinds of factories and, uh, and stuff where he would source his materials. Um, but I also had my, my own goal to uh, explore China a little bit more, uh, especially uh, the business climate. So I booked uh, some trips uh, uh, and tried to get some meetings uh, all over China, uh, uh, Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Tianjin, Shenzhen, uh, also Hong Kong. So that's what uh, I did basically in the middle of, uh, of that trip. And uh, I got very excited about, uh, about China. Um, also found uh, locations that were not that attractive uh, uh, to me, uh, especially uh, the feeling I got in, uh, in Beijing and the feeling I got in, uh, in Hong Kong didn't match my, uh, uh, my business uh, uh, interest, although I, I liked the places on a personal level, mm -hmm. I couldn't find a match with, uh, with business. So I immediately found out that business climates were very uh, different from, uh, from each other. And uh, it might be coincidence or luck, but my last uh, trip uh, on, in the last week was, uh, was actually uh, Shanghai. And I don't know when I arrived in, in Shanghai, I immediately knew, like, wow, this is, this is the place uh, uh, I see a lot of opportunity, a vibe, positive energy, could meet a lot of uh, people that had the same vibe and energy to, to build new stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually, on the first night I arrived in Shanghai, I knew deep in my heart that 
I wanted to uh, permanently uh, go to China and especially uh, Shanghai. So I think after I, I came back to uh, to Holland, it took only two months to uh, uh, to wrap everything up uh, in Europe in Holland and uh, move to China. So at the end of 2010, in the third, fourth, fourth quarter. I, uh, I arrived with uh, a suitcase and a coffee machine and uh, <laughs> I started my, uh, my venture here because in 2010 <laughs> getting coffee was still uh, quite a challenge so 20% of my suitcase was dedicated to, uh, to an espresso uh, uh, machine to have the necessity uh, coffee uh, during the day. But yeah, it was, uh, it was quite challenging and uh, exciting. But And uh, the Q4 uh, 2010 I, uh, I, I moved uh, to China. So it's been already a decade. Yeah, it's been 12 years uh, 12 now. Years. Yeah, 12 years now. Over a decade. And yeah. And now definitely we have no problem with the coffee, especially here in Shanghai, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the places where you can see coffee shops pretty much everywhere. Yes. So there are quite a few projects that keep you busy. So can you tell a little bit more what are they, what do you do here in China? So in the recent uh, uh, years, basically I, I have a software product, SaaS product, and uh, I have a local uh, development uh, team, uh, local meaning based uh, uh, in China. And uh, for the past uh, decade, we've been uh, building and adapting the product that I, uh, I brought to China uh, to tailor to uh, the Chinese uh, um, environment, uh, basically. Um, and it's, as you know, China is uh, developing uh, each and every day, so that means that our product also uh, keeps uh, uh, innovating, needs to be uh, innovative. And uh, uh, my day uh, uh, during uh, uh, a typical work week is I spend half of the time uh, listening and looking at um, the challenges my customers uh, face, mm. um, converting that into uh, a business uh, uh, objective, uh, especially for, for the product, and uh, uh, try to uh, fit that in into a short or long-term uh, product uh, development planning. The rest of the week, um, I'm uh, busy with uh, replying to uh, our partners. Uh, we, have, we work mainly through, uh, through partners that uh, come with uh, uh, challenges of their customers and uh, looking for, uh, for a solution in our, in our product. So it's mainly uh, uh, pre-sales uh, demoing, uh, explaining, uh, and uh, finally, hopefully, obviously, uh, making, uh, making quotes and uh, implementing uh, the product for, uh, for the project. Mm -hmm. So what are the names of the projects that you work on? So you have the company which is Livecom? Yes. So my main business is, uh, is Livecom. It's a customer service uh, platform. Uh, so brands utilize that platform to deliver customer service to their customers. It's not that we deliver the customer service, they often deliver the customer service themselves by their own people or they outsource it to a kind of a call center uh, uh, kind of uh, environment. The other part uh, that I'm uh, busy with is uh, conversational AI, that is uh, Evo Creations, where we developed uh, a platform to connect uh, multiple AI providers uh, through Livecom to different uh, communication channels to, uh, to optimize uh, customer service procedures that actually could be done by, uh, by an automated procedure or a bot, if, uh, if you like uh, to call it that way. You mentioned challenges and then you also mentioned customer service, right? So the customer service is at the center of your business activities. Yes. And uh, I'm just curious to know about the challenges that your clients have and if those challenges are the same that customers here in China experience and uh, clients from, from the West? 
No, I would say that the climate in China is uh, uh, very different from the climate uh, in the West. <coughs> so the challenges uh, my customers face are, are not uh, the same. A typical project in China um, is first of all explaining uh, often a foreign uh, IT team or a foreign management team uh, is involved. So part of uh, uh, not only selling your solution but making clear that your solution is unique is, is ex explaining why we are different than, for instance, uh, a local vendor or a truly uh, foreign uh, vendor. We are basically in, in uh, what we call a perfect mix because uh, we are in China for more than a decade also with our product, so we've adapted to the Chinese uh, technical landscape which very obvious is many programs, WeChat, uh, all kinds of e-commerce platforms that are uh, unique to, to China's uh, infrastructure, IT infrastructure. Um, and explaining to them that even though uh, some, low, some foreign vendors uh, uh, will announce or market that they have integrations to Chinese platforms, they actually don't have a, a legal entity here. Mm. Uh, which, especially in the most recent years, is pretty important because uh, as a brand or as a company you need to uh, comply with uh, the privacy law, technical law, data storage laws, etc., uh, etc. Et not, uh, not forgetting to mention uh, there is a, a firewall in place that uh, uh, filters uh, certain information for, uh, for China which uh, gives challenges and all kinds of uh, connections to uh, outside systems that typically uh, a foreign brand uh, would need. Um, as we are in, uh, right in the middle, we have local Chinese people uh, that understand uh, the local situation very well. We also have, uh, and personally I have a lot of experience working with uh, MNCs uh, globally and understand uh, their challenges and uh, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And also I'm quite curious to know a little bit more about the portfolio of the clients because uh, I've talked to many people, right, and over the past years the business environment is, is quite different, it's changing. And uh, before, let's say, some companies were focusing mostly on MNCs, but now transitioning the focus to on uh, uh, local companies. So what about uh, your, your situation? Where do you see it's going? Um, well, obviously, because China is closed in the past uh, three, year, <coughs> three years, basically, uh, the landscape uh, for us uh, uh, changed more to, uh, to Hong Kong. There were a lot of projects that we uh, did there in the past uh, uh, two years. And um, I remember at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, that was 2020, um, where, when the first lockdowns uh, uh, arrived, especially in China, which were you know, compared to the West, pretty pretty hard. Uh, we needed to move uh, uh, some new projects uh, into into the cloud, so basically facilitate working from home. Uh, people couldn't go to offices or the call centers, and uh, uh, some some brands utilized some on-premise uh, technology, which was not accessible uh, uh, during that time. So. Um, yeah, we facilitated them moving uh, to a cloud-based uh, system. For 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 the for the rest, um, we we haven't seen many brands entering China uh, in the past uh, uh, three years during the pandemic. Some some did, some were very uh, uh, successful also actually. Um, but personally, I, I've not seen a major shift um, uh, to local to, to local companies uh, more than before. I, I would say for the for the local companies, it's we are similar 
kind of uh, vendor. We're still a foreign vendor. Uh, that means that some customers uh, would not like to work with you because you're foreign. They, they prefer to uh, to be a local, uh, to have a local vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that, that Chinese uh, company has an outlook to uh, to the West or their products are mainly sold in the West, uh, we are actually very uh, interesting to them because we to- we totally immediately understand. Uh, uh, the outside IT infrastructure, and actually, uh, we are the only vendor inside China that uh, offers uh, in customer service communication channels like Facebook, um, uh, Telegram, uh, etc. All, all those platforms that are not available in China, we have integrations already uh, uh, to them. Uh, and there is no Chinese local vendor that would have that because it's not interesting for a local vendor to have that. Mm-hmm. So you already mentioned about the COVID and about some changes, right? I just want to hear a little bit more about what kind of changes um, in general COVID brought specifically to customer service, probably not in China, on the global scale. Yeah, global scale, uh, it forced uh, um, the call centers. Uh, we are not a call center, we are a platform deliverer, but especially the call centers that, that have employed the, the humans, they, they, they really needed to uh, move fastly on moving out their IT infrastructure from a physical uh, location to a cloud-based uh, solution. So all the vendors uh, like us, uh, platform uh, solution providers, uh, the ones that were more traditionally based, uh, all suddenly uh, needed to move to a cloud-based solution. We've always been uh, cloud-based. Uh, I made a decision already many, many years ago that technically on-premise is, uh, is not a solution you, know, you like. Uh, there might be legal implications or storage of data that would like you to have it in some, not in the cloud, uh, let's say it like that. But typically, um, for most of uh, uh, customers, a cloud-based solution is, uh, is totally fine and acceptable. So the vendors that uh, and, and uh, the companies that didn't have a cloud-based solution needed to move fast. And uh, that was challenging, especially in the beginning, because everybody was in lockdown, even their own IT. So they couldn't even go on-premise to, to shut something off or shut something or turn something uh, on. And we had some, uh, I can't mention names, but we had quite big, you know, huge companies uh, having issues uh, with that and uh, where their customer service operation basically was shut down uh, completely and they couldn't offer any communication channel uh, during the first lockdowns. Uh, as we were cloud-based, we, we could just remotely log in from, from home and create uh, customer service environments uh, for them uh, and uh, where their agents were able to log in from their homes respectively. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, it's quite uh, interesting to, to hear as well, because right now technology is pretty much everywhere, right? It's been already for, for quite some time, disrupting the industries. So what's specifically happening in the customer service area in terms of technology and how do you think the future will look like five years from now? Yeah, what you see is that uh, um, more and more consumers uh, definitely want to move to uh, messaging-based uh, systems. Um, as email was not uh, existing in China, uh, not even in 2010, not for business com- or business to consumer communication, maybe for marketing, but not for customer service. Um, it was already uh, online, uh, so it was either typically uh, uh, in 2010 it was basically websites. It more moved uh, to WeChat uh, since 2014, official uh, accounts and, and messaging. And you see now uh, that uh, uh, messaging is getting, uh, the volume in messaging is getting more and more. And uh, telephony, which is 
in channels is the biggest competitor to uh, to uh, to messaging is uh, declining uh, strongly. So people prefer to send a message instead of uh, calling and being mm. on the phone, waiting in the queue, going through uh, IVR choices. Uh, they don't like that. For the future, I think uh, uh, conversational AI will be utilized more and more. Uh, that means procedures that are repetitive for a human uh, um, and, and basically boring and like cancelling an order, updating the delivery address, uh, that kind of procedures that manual labor can easily be replaced with uh, uh, typically uh, uh, a good uh, AI uh, and, and training on top of that. So AI, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, basically that whole procedure can be done by uh, a routine that uh, consumers do themselves. And uh, I see companies uh, uh, investing more and more in this kind of technology to offload work of uh, of their human agents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the conversation well, it was great uh, sharing from you as well earlier um, at the founders breakfast. So yeah. hopefully uh, we also can put the link over there so people can uh, learn a little bit more about that topic. And also based on your experience that you've been here already over a decade and definitely we already talked a little bit about the challenges as the foreign company. So if we can expand a little bit more on that topic, um, how business environment changed in the past five, ten years and yeah. what are the challenges specifically that you are facing at the moment? So when I arrived here, it was basically, we, uh, I mean, everybody that has been here um, for more than a decade would say uh, it used to be kind of the Wild West, not that rough, but a lot, a lot of things were, were possible. But obviously China is a, a strong and fast developing country, so that means regulations uh, also develop because that's part of, uh, of a developing country, right? So in the past 10 years, there has been a lot of uh, uh, new uh, laws because they didn't exist before uh, in, in, in data storage, privacy, uh, uh, all kinds of compliance uh, uh, you need to have as a, as a cloud vendor. And I, I, would, I would say it's actually it's more strict than uh, in Europe. Uh, don't think many people realize that, uh, especially in the West, they think that uh, China doesn't have privacy uh, at all. <laughs> but actually, privacy laws here are, are much stronger than uh, than in the West. Uh, I, even now, uh, uh, WeChat uh, recently, or yeah, a couple of months ago, uh, uh, had some changes where you, as a as a brand, cannot even get uh, uh, the name of uh, of the consumer you're, you're you're chatting with. So basically, it's all anonymous, and uh, uh, the consumer needs to give consent uh, to share any uh, information, even even his his, his name. Um, which used to be, uh, you, you used to get the name and the, 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 the sex and uh, the location and the province, etc. Et That's all been taken away from, uh, from the brands and uh, the data platforms uh, in the past couple of years. Um, where do I see that uh, uh, go? Um, I, I guess uh, this will uh, keep on going for, for quite some, uh, some time. Um, I don't think they will open up uh, more data projects. They will try to uh, containerize and, and close uh, uh, access to, to personal identifiable information uh, uh, more and more. So that's a, that's a challenge for a vendor as us. Uh, we, we do need to comply more and more to uh, uh, um, regulations on, on your cloud system, security, used technology, 
this will be audited uh, every year and uh, or you need to be audited every year in, in, uh, in order to receive uh, the, the necessary certifications. Mm -hmm. So those are the challenges that definitely I also can relate and I guess lots of businesses uh, facing similar challenges at the moment. Where do you see the opportunities? Which areas are still quite attractive or areas that are going to be growing, let's say, in the near future? Personally, I think uh, the Chinese economy is uh, is the one set for uh, for huge growth and uh, still for the for the next uh, 10 to uh, 15 years. Uh, even in these uh, challenging times, I think uh, China is the only country that has enough uh, power to uh, to realize things. Even during this challenging time in the past three years, where the economy obviously took uh, took a hit, especially in retail and uh, in the food and beverage and these kinds of uh, uh, areas. Um, if you if you look from a from a helicopter view, a broader perspective, and you see the investments they uh, they do in infrastructure, uh, uh, developing highways, airports, cities, urbanization, it is massive and unprecedented. And I think the examples uh, of, of, of the result of, of, of these kinds of investments have always been positive for, uh, for economies. Mm. So if people can move around more easy, um, there will be growth uh, in economy. And uh, that's what I see, in the, especially in the past three years, China has been you know, rolling out so much uh, high-speed railway, high highways, um, infrastructure. This cannot this only can result in a positive uh, uh, turnaround for for the economy so I have a I am very very positive uh, personally in in the long-term growth of, uh, of China and I'm sure there are many many businesses that uh, want to you know enter this uh, this economy so for us I, I'm not uh, afraid at all and you see it locally and in, in, in even in Shanghai here too. Uh, we had a big hit during uh, the lockdown earlier this year. Um, most of us had a minimum of 60 days uh, and nothing at all. A lot of small businesses uh, disappeared, but you see them coming back. I mean, these are other businesses, so that means the money and the people are still, you know, mm -hmm. China is very big and Shanghai is just, just 25 million, maybe 30 million people. There are still many, many more people outside seeing opportunity to be in the in the strongest uh, uh, economy of uh, of the world. I would even say, yeah. So there, there's there's going to be the same opportunities that were here before, um, but we do obviously need to uh, kind of more open up, and yeah, let's hope that can happen in uh, 2023. You mentioned about the long-term thinking, right? I think this is the one thing that I've been hearing as well for a long time. That China is definitely is the country that you need to approach with the long-term thinking. Yes. Right. So nothing yes. happens uh, super fast. Uh, I think that the time of uh, when we had lots of opportunities and uh, lots of things going on overnight, yes. I guess, already passed. Right. And um, to wrap it up, I would love to ask you the last question. And I'm just curious, what couple of projects that you are the most excited about at the moment that you're working on? If it's possible to share, of course, maybe not telling the name of the company. Um, yeah, well, I'm most uh, excited. Uh, uh, I actually, it's, it's, it's a couple of months uh, uh, ago uh, during our uh, our lockdown of uh, of 60 days, uh, where most of the people had nothing to do. We were actually super busy 
because mm. uh, Hong Kong was uh, opening up and implementing uh, uh, a lot of support for, uh, for the local economy and the local residents. And they needed uh, online platforms to communicate to their basically residents. Mm. So uh, we, in that time, we were we had a certification going on from uh, from the Hong Kong government and auditors uh, checking our systems uh, um, to see if it was compliant uh, enough for Hong Kong government. So we were very busy, and uh, we delivered uh, those uh, projects uh, closely after the Shanghai uh, lockdown. So that was uh, June, July, uh, not too long ago. Um, and currently we are uh, uh, mainly working uh, um, with a lot of projects uh, in Southeast Asia where the economies are restarting uh, again and where uh, yeah, people are, and companies are uh, uh, seeing a, a raise in, in volume of, of transactions and, uh, and also, so also customer service where new platforms need to be implemented. So currently we are mostly uh, uh, busy with new business uh, uh, outside mainland China and uh, uh, here it's, it's uh, st still waiting uh, for us uh, to restart and it's just maintaining the current uh, infrastructure. I also been hearing a lot about the Southeast Asia right? and there are lots of activities going on now and lots of companies based in Shanghai in China uh, looking at that direction. Probably that is uh, another um, time to discuss yeah. this right? we, so we can we can make a new video about that a new yes. video it's a big topic and yes. i think uh, it's, it's growing right so it's yes, definitely sure. exciting and interesting to look at but thank you so much for the introducing thank for you. the sharing thank it's you. super interesting super helpful and um, i look forward to your expansion to southeast asia and then probably in a half a year or time or so we can get another one great and, love uh, to be back uh, hear your stories from Southeast Asia. Thank you so much. Thank that you for inviting me. The episode between meeting.